Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, the Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, the Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, the Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a Cancer Diagnosis, Adaptogens for Long Life, and Abundantly Well Companion Course, Wise Woman You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Rebecca. Hello, do you read me? Oh, wow, my phone was on mute, sorry. So nice to have you back, how are you? Oh, Rebecca, thank you so much for your strong and sturdy support 
I am doing well. And last week was just a whole, you know, it's ex- except that it was scary and sad. It was a comedy of errors. I couldn't believe how things just fell apart one after another. So thank you to you for doing the show. And my apology to everybody else for not showing up. And I just want to mention that uh, what I'm doing is advocating for somebody. And it's, of course, triple difficult with all the COVID restrictions. And I'm, you know, I got a lot of energy and I do a lot. But this is really pushing me to my edge. And it has not been a night in the past week where I've gotten anywhere near a whole night's worth of sleep. So if by chance. I should suddenly seem to, like, disappear, then I'm going to ask you, Rebecca, to just sing me a song, whistle me up, say, hey, Susan, stick with us, and then I will do that. It's certainly not my intention to drop out on you, but I know what level of sleep deprivation I'm at and how quickly that sleep deprivation can just whisk you away in the arms of the dreams. So my commitment is to stay here and be with you, answer those questions, and, oh, my gosh, at 9 o'clock East Coast time, we are going to be talking to Ginger Metro. Well, that's not really true. We're not going to be talking to Ginger at all, maybe just a little bit. But then Ginger is going to step aside and let Galaxia come and speak to us. And Galaxia is a... A multi-dimensional group of beings who have really important information for all of us right now about what's going on. I don't think anybody is able to deny that there's some shift going on here. It's a worldwide shift. And um, one of the things that uh, really struck me was she said that... Um, Galaxis wants to help us dream in a new world with the goal of the individual remaining distinct and luminous and sharing that distinctive radiance into the collective oneness of all beings. So stay tuned. Come back at nine. We are in for a tremendous fun time. However, I do want to mention that, you know, and I've noticed this a lot with these disembodied beings, they do suffer from an excess of capitalization. They can't talk about power without a capital P or love without a capital L or life without a capital L, but we're going to get through that and certainly not going to show up in our talk. But I just had to have a little giggle. I said, well, this is definitely a disembodied being. This is one of the ways I tell if it's a real disembodied being is that they just don't get it about capitalization. Hmm. Ah. So how has yeah. how is your how's your couple of weeks been? Um, I feel like things I mean, well, things are shifting quite a bit for me personally and I feel like that's kind of the theme for people right now is that, you know, not only are we collectively going through a massive transformation or massive shift in our consciousness and our person and our lives are on like a global scale, but our personal lives are also um, from my experience, going through a lot of upheaval, and we're all being challenged in different ways, however that shows up. 
So I um, goes up right, and we know yeah. it really goes low even from one day to the next. You know what the way through is. So that's one of the reasons that I have set up to do a series of teleseminars on what is going on. And this Thursday, I'm going to be talking to a very special person who has been working for a long time with mushrooms and using mushrooms differently and as blessings to us all. And some of you know that I actually started out um, not so much interested in plants, but in mushrooms. And in the early 70s, I was in a great situation to be able to spend all day long, every single day, with my daughter, Justine, going out into the deep forest of the Catskill Mountains and looking at mushrooms and communicating with the mushrooms. And back then, well, of course, there was no online guide to anything, but there weren't even books with color photographs of the mushrooms. Just to give you an example of how kind of difficult it was, it took me months, truly, to recognize and understand that the mushroom changes shape as it comes up out of the ground, right? First, it comes up almost like, you know, like a, a little um, club coming out of the ground, and then it, like, spreads its wings into its cap, and then that cap kind of does whatever it does. It falls off, it rots, it gets eaten by other things. And so, to me, it, I thought I was looking at, like, three different things until I actually slowed myself way, way down and simply went to the same spot and the same mushroom every day, every day, and could finally see that movement, that transition, and how different things appeared, but that they were really the same thing. And for me, that's actually become a paradigm, a a way to understand what's happening in our COVID days, that as beings of our dimension, we see things and we think they're different. But when we expand into more dimensions, we suddenly realize that they are continuity and that they are linked together through growth. And that that growth is part of what we consider change. And that growth, yes, as a terminus, and it spirals back around, but it never, ever stops. So that's what we have forward to, as well as a bunch of wonderful questions. And once again, Rebecca, I bow to your strength and your courage and your stick to that when I didn't show up, you, you were there to show up and carry the day. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I was happy that there were some recordings there, and I uh, it was so just unlike you to not, I mean, that was the first time in, I think, I guess, almost like seven years that you haven't shown up, so everybody was worried. I got lots of messages about, like, uh, with people wondering, and but, um, yeah, so I'm just, I'm happy that you're back, and, yeah, I think everybody, yeah, well, I'm, <laughs> everybody 
relieved to hear you, your voice. <laughs> it's just like so much craziness that. going on, and, you know, this is such a consistent thing. So, you know, right. yeah. yeah. Right. And, of course, mm-hmm. first, I'm in a place where we're not going to hear the peepers. The closest we're going to oh, get right. the peepers, garbage trucks backing up, you know, and, and sirens <laughs> going by. And I think I'm in a space that's pretty chill on sound. We're not by a busy street. And we're kind of in the back. Uh, but if you hear some odd noises, you'll go, oh, yeah, all right. Those odd noises are, are uh, what we get this week instead of the peepers. Mm-hmm. So yes. what, have you been, what have you been doing herbally this week? Oh, geez. Um, let's see. <laughs> well, things are really ahead here than they normally are. So I'm already harvesting motherwort, and I've already harvested a lot of um, yarrow this past week. And um, I have been making some, I, you know, I'm still doing my Etsy store, so I've been making all kinds of stuff for that. And I, um, California poppy is flowering and I always wait for the seed pods to um, develop before I harvest it because I like to have the root through the flowering and the seed pod all and the um, leaf all in the the extract that I make and let's see there's a lot going oh calendula there's still there is, calendula right there is a lot going on huh it's like it's suddenly yeah, yeah, it's endless. <laughs> really, herbal medicine is endless. Oh, and the wild roses are blooming, and um, hawthorn. Our hawthorn trees are already done flowering, um, and so that is done. But um, I got to harvest some hawthorn flowers um, in a couple of weeks ago, actually. So and yeah. Don't don't forget, everybody, that rose petals are big medicine. In fact. Oh, gosh, decades and decades ago, it was one of the first kind of uh, magical and spiritual uh, remedies that I was turned on to when a friend came back from India where she was with her guru, and her guru had given her a small jar of really dark honey with rose petals in it, Mm. and those rose petals were stuffed in there. If you've ever tried this, you know it takes a lot to stuff a jar with rose petals. And it, she was told, she got two of them. She gave one to me, and she told me that her guru said, you take even the littlest bit of this rose flower honey on a daily basis, you will never have anything to worry about in terms of your spiritual growth or your physical well-being. Mm, that's beautiful. I... I've had some. I had a really amazing uh, dream recently with some roses. It, it was just like uh, just roses, just like throughout the whole dream, like in like lace and roses, like just showering me in this like real beauty. And um, I had been taking <laughs> before I went to bed. I've been having this rose petal, rose petal um, uh, tincture that I had traded some medicine with Julie. Um, Oh my God, she was one of your apprentices. Why can't I think of her last name? Nun. Nun. Yeah, she. We had traded some medicines, and that was one of the ones. And I had it on my on my bedside, and I need to tell her about this dream. Actually, she might be listening. I know she listens to the show, but um, yeah. And just this dream was so beautiful and so filled with love, and it just yeah, I woke up feeling um, very blessed by the rose. Yeah, so that has been. Really, the blessing of my, you know, running myself 
right to my edge on energy is that while I'm asleep, wow, the dreams that I'm getting. And I had a most spectacular dream, and I didn't really understand while I was having it. But then when I woke up and I thought about it, I realized that what I was seeing was the healing cloak of the ancients. Talk about the healing cloak of the ancients. I've talked about it for decades, but now I was seeing it. I was experiencing it. Now, if I ever get a chance, and who knows, maybe I will, I want to make a really big art installation. And there's like a pole in the center, and it's black. And then there's a series of long, I'm going to call them banners. They're about 8 feet tall by about 20 feet long. And there's a, they're attached to a pole at the far end. And there's like a groove and a motor so that these, these long pieces of material are moving around this center hub. And the healing cloak of the ancient comes out from the black pole first as a thin, thin, almost indistinguishable black line on white. And then it starts to swirl and to move in loops and spirals and all kinds of what we might call chaotic or meaningless patterns, but those soon begin to resolve into patterns almost as though our point of view was changing. And in a way, but not so severe, it reminded me of Escher's work. And Escher's work is very hard edge. And these patterns are like that, but they're very soft edge. And then as it moves from these, this thin black line to the spiral and the loops and then begins to pattern, and those patterns become fractals. And you see the large pattern and the small pattern and that they're the same and how they interact with each other. And once you get that, it's like the universe of color is turned on and suddenly you're bathed in these intricate, moving, amazing, colorful patterns like the which I've never seen. And if I do do this as an art piece, I'm going to have to go back to the ancient ones and dream time and say, would you show me again? That was a little hard to remember. Right. Wow. <laughs> it sounds incredible. I, I can I can relate in some of the um, psychedelic experiences that I've had. Like um, those, like a it's like a tapestry of time and how it's like imprinted with like, I mean I've had different uh, animal beings come through and like you know, yeah, kind of like that, and they come out of, like, this whole, like, uh, one source and goes, yeah, but I, I hear I hear what you're saying. I think I haven't experienced exactly what you're saying, but, like, a, a, a similar kind of uh, vision, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think each mm-hmm. one of us is going to experience that in a different way, and then, you know, my, my oldest friend, she gets a little cranky about my calling her my oldest friend. She says, I'm not that old. I said, yeah, but come on. We've known each other for what, you know, over 50 years here. Um, and uh, so, you know, she she said, Susan, Susan, you are being wrapped in the healing cloak of the ancients. You're not just talking mm-hmm. about it anymore. You're experiencing it. And they are wrapping you up. And I feel that that's just what's happening. It's like being wrapped up 
in this cocoon and who I have known myself to be is going to emerge from this cocoon in some very different way, but nonetheless the same. Mm-hmm. In the same way that an atom of carbon, when it combines with an atom of oxygen, is still the same atom of carbon, but it's very different because of how it's joined to the oxygen. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, so I think that that's that's being asked of us all right now is to um go you know go into that cocoon and transform and so we can uh have a more kind of unified or a uh, different path forward into a new way of being, you know. Right, and that it gives room for any way we want to express ourselves that we don't want to just focus on, oh, that pretty colored part, which is so attractive. Because all of it is the healing cloak of the ancient. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's dynamic. I guess we should open the lines up to people and see if we can answer a few questions tonight. Yeah, let's see what people are up to tonight. Okay, the first caller is coming from the 252 area code. Good evening. Hi. Um, I have a kind of a critical care situation that I was hoping to get some advice on. Um, I had released to me on Monday from an emergency vet trauma center um, a young female cat that had what we think is a very large bite on her bum. Um, She has both legs. She seems to be passing urine fine, but she has a flesh wound like I've never had to deal with before. And um, I was given things by the vet. Um, one of them was that New Zealand honey. Um, I'm right, Manuka. Say again? Yes. Yeah, I, I don't see Manuka. <laughs> Manuka? Yeah. Um, so it's in a tube and it's very sterile. And he said he kind of liked the idea of my using that uh, ahead of my local honey. Um, but I'm wondering, can I add some comfrey oil to it? Can I do something to help the situation? Because it's quite remarkable. It is remarkable and scary, too, for anyone to have to look at that and to see that that cat can go on even in the face of that. So one of the things that I always think of first is that any animal, any human so severely injured really just wants to curl up in a ball and die. And so it's really important that we reach out in any way we can, and say, you're wanted, you're needed, stay here. And um, a midwife do this. If a woman starts to hemorrhage after her birth, a midwife might grab her shoulders and shake her and say, you have a baby waiting for you, don't go away. So, you know, whatever this cat requires, whether it's a calm, soothing, oh, honey, honey, stay here, or whether it's shaking her up and saying, don't you dare go away, really letting that cat knows that you are here for her to stay. And then I think it's very important to visualize very strongly not what you are seeing, but what you want to see. Because part of the horror of this is that we look at this injury and it's like that becomes everything in our mind. And like all day long and all night long, we're seeing the horror of that injury 
And so it's a big piece of work for you, but what I want you to do is either look at a picture you might have of her uninjured or look at another cat uninjured, and any time you start to think about her, you think about her in an uninjured state so that she also has that image and the body can follow that template right back. I did this with a, a carpenter friend who tried to adjust his belt sander with his bare hands. Yeah, really. Come on. Because what happened was the belt sander sucked his thumb in and basically ground his thumb off right down to the bone, including his thumbnail. Wow. And, you know, he also, of course, trying to get the the, uh, sander off, he shook his hand and just covered the area we were working on with blood. And we, we were all, you know, kind of torn between oh, you poor dear, let us take care of you. And you wretch, look at that, you ruined all of our good work. So <laughs> the, the doctors, of course, we could take him to the emergency room, and the doctors wrapped that up so that nobody had to look at it because it was gnarly. And they said, well, you know, with luck, it will heal over, but it's not like you're going to have like a real finger or nail there. And you know what? By his over and over again, putting the injured hand next to his uninjured hand and saying, look, under this mm, bandage, just like this uninjured hand, when that bandage finally came off, sure enough, there was a little nail growing and the flesh was coming up, and it, it's certainly not perfect. You can tell that, you know, that, that there was an injury there, but he had full use of it and really good sensation. So I can okay. envision this for that cat as well. And that's your specific question. Can you use concrete oil? You could. But sometimes we don't want oil into an open wound. Yeah, okay. Yeah. The honey, and Manuka honey is great. And Manuka okay. honey has extended itself to have a lot of scientific studies done to prove its worth and thus make it available into, um, you know, professional medical settings, even to the point yes. that you can go out and buy Manuka bandages at the drugstore. But what's really going on here, not so specifically the Manuka as it is the color of the honey. Yeah, and I've so seen it in a jar. Is, it's dark, yeah. It's, it's dark. very different. Very different. Yeah. So, different texture, but, too. It was a much thicker, unless it was, I don't know, it wasn't just that it was drier. It was a different texture. It is. If you have access to buckwheat honey, buckwheat okay. honey is one of the American equivalents. Okay. Some people have heard the story about my being in Jamaica and being taken out to meet the, uh, the local healing woman in this area of Jamaica. And I will skip over the kind of incredible and scary trips uh, that we had to make, crossing ravines on tiny little boards. And then finally, we were like, had brought ourselves to the bottom of a cliff, which we had to climb to get up to where she was. And as my eyes came up over the top of that cliff, what I saw was the world's biggest pile of empty rum bottles. And I said to myself, uh oh, what am I getting myself into? And I don't see any way to get out of it. Because there were people behind me, so I just had to keep climbing. Well, it turned out that not only did she make 
and basically she only made two remedies, and it was called woman's remedy and man's remedy. But what she also did was she kept bees. And those bees made honey, if you can believe it, it was even thicker and darker than that Manuka honey. And I was able to procure one of those rum bottles, that's a cheese of that honey, and I have it to this day. And it's like really? when I say, uh, uh, this is B-A-D, I say, get your honey from Jamaica, Susan. This is what you need right now. If it seems too thick, you could mm-hmm. in it just a little, not with oil, but with a tincture, like yellow Water. tincture, right? Oh. Okay, a little antibiotic, okay. Yeah, well, it's not really antibiotic. It's certainly a disinfectant at that point because, of course, what we want to do is we want that healing to happen slowly from the bottom up and not to allow the surface of the wound to close because that then creates a situation where anaerobic bacteria like tetanus can grow and where healing slows. So that yarrow just thins it out a little bit. All right. Well, that's what they did in the wars. They used the yarrow for that when they had to amputate, and that's what they used the yarrow to... Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. okay. And and could you um, tell us the cat's name? Oh, well, she was named Izzy and Isabella. She's not mine. She's one that was a rescue out of... Um, she showed up in a yard, and I work with a group of ladies that do cat and spay-neuter, and we got a call, and so four of us have chimed in and um, done our piece, and she's staying with me for recovery. And so she became Izzy two days ago, and we're hoping she has a good long life. And she's very affectionate, so it's easy to go to the place where you visualize good for her because she's lovely. She's beautiful, and she's sweet, and she's friendly, and so that's that part of things she makes easy. She's a good little girl, so All right. keep her in your prayers. I will, and for the comfrey, because of course, yeah. anytime there's massive injury, we always think of comfrey. What I would do right. is make just a regular comfrey infusion, Infusion. And mix, okay. mix it in with some milk, and then I drop it into her mouth and let her okay. take it in. Well, and then if I'm syringe feeding her, and I think if I do that instead of water, she'll probably accept it. So I'll just switch from water to comfrey for you know a week or so and see how she bounces. Right. She's bouncing back. She's really getting more vigorous. You know, just the longer yeah. she's with me, even in 48 hours. So. Okay, and a little bit of milk in there with that comfrey or yogurt. Okay. Well, how about goat's milk? Somebody's suggesting goat's milk. Well, Do you uh, think that that's appropriate for? Of course, for... you know. Okay. You know, I keep our dairy goats. Yeah, well, I guess that's a dumb question. Yeah, I just, I have not used it at all, and it's in a can, and I thought, okay, well, maybe. Okay. Well, maybe, but you Good. see, that's the problem, right? We have these words, right? Goat's milk. We get, goat's milk is wonderful, but once it's been canned, is it still yeah. goat's milk? Yeah, so no, I have a girlfriend I, with, a, with a dairy for, with, who has goats, and she said, you know, if you ever need it for the animals, just let me know. So I was, I, I think maybe that's the route to go. I'll, I'll message her tomorrow and see if I can get some and work it that way. Exactly. The nearer okay. the source and the fresher that milk is, the more effective it's going to be. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm glad to hear your voice back. Thank you so much. Our blessings go out to yes. Izzy and to you, thank you and your group of friends. We're taking care so magnificently. Thank you very much. Sleep well. Okay, thanks. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. The next caller is coming from the 973 area code. Hi, Susan. I have a...
simple question about miso. I know that red miso is generally considered the most healing one, but the only miso I can find in my area is a good quality white miso. Is that still, does that still have healing properties in it? Well, I'm not sure um, that I've ever heard anything about red miso being the best. The color of the miso, of course, is going to depend on the bean or the grain that the miso is made from. So traditionally, miso is made from soybeans. And as those soybeans uh, turn into miso, they turn black. Let's see the color of the evening here, that dark, dark, dark color. And so that's, that's what I've always heard is the long age, like three-year, five-year regular miso is really where you're going to get a big bump on your money. The red miso is made from a dookie bean. And a dookie beans are a real classic in macrobiotic cooking because they are considered to have very special qualities that the soybeans don't. And then, of course, you have misos that could be made of something like millet, and that would give a beautiful golden miso. And those misos are very appropriate for people who have problems with beans. And, you know, I really like, um, was it north or south? I think it's South River Miso, which comes out of Massachusetts. And you might still be under their shipping deadline, of course, as the weather heats up. They don't like to ship because the containers explode and ooze and make a mess. Uh, but that's what I would say. You're not really restricted. Um, reach out to South River Miso and see what you can get there. And if you want a dark miso, they have it. If you want the Ajuki Mean Miso, they have it. And if you want uh, other misos, they have those as well. They have a full rainbow of different misos. And you know, of course, that one of the things I like is not to be uh, one-note Susie. Bing, 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 because our bodies aren't one-note. So I like to have a variety of different things and to rotate through them, giving our psyches and our bodies and everything that opportunity to have like the smorgasbord, right? So you got that mm-hmm. whole buffet of different things. And each time you go to the buffet, even if it's, you know, the very next day, you're going to make slightly different choices. And that allows us to stay in real time and real synchronicity with our healing and our organism because life is about change. Yes, it is. So I hope Great. Well, thank you. you. Yes, thank you so much. Have a good night. Good night to you too and green blessings. Thank you. Bye-bye. The next caller is coming from the 530 area code. Hi. Hi. So um, I have been having pain in my left breast for like a week and a half now. And um, I'm trying to identify the cause. Um, I, I, do, I have been breastfeeding. I breastfeed an 18-month-old. So I've been exploring the possibility that maybe it's a clogged duct, but at this point it really doesn't seem like it is. And it's just like it, it comes and goes throughout the day. And I just I'm trying to figure out something I could possibly do about it. 
Well, those are actually very good symptoms to have because, of course, the very first thing that we want to keep you real out of Christmas. And in general, in a lot of stuff on the background. You're going to break up. You repeat yourself. I can hear you with all that stuff. So, whoa, let's calm that down. Great. So we want to rule out cancer. And in general, cancer doesn't hurt. Now, a particular tumor can grow to the point that's pressing on other tissues and causing pain that way. But cancer itself generally doesn't hurt. Also, cancer doesn't come and go. It might grow slowly, but it's not going to have little growth spurts. So it's not going to hurt one day and then not hurt the next day or feel bigger one day and feel smaller the next day. That's now how, not how cancer operates. So I okay, think, well, that's, that's reassuring. I think that, yeah, I think we can most likely, and of course the gold standard is a biopsy, and if we don't have that, but even if we do have that, all that can say is, well, we didn't find the cancer, but I'm going to say let's rest on our belief that this is not cancer. They are still breastfeeding an eight-year-old, and that in and of itself could be difficult for your breasts because, let's face it, they're really not designed for that, except in uh, severe situations of starvation and emergency. And um, I'm not even months. sure. Not eight-year-old. Oh, eight, 18 months. months. Yeah. Okay, no, much better. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was eight years old. I thought, okay, well, that's kind of extreme. But 18 months, much more reasonable. But still, you are at a Weaning is, is not right now. It's on the horizon. And mm-hmm. I remember traveling with a woman uh, who had a baby that she was breastfeeding. And she had left that baby with her parents. And we had gone off for the weekend. Uh, she was supporting me, as I thought, and her breasts got really engorged. And the first thing she said was, Susan, suck my breasts, get some of this milk out. And I discovered, much to my horror, that since I was a bottle-fed baby, I didn't know how to actually get the milk out of her breast by sucking. Wow, did I feel inadequate. But I said, I, I can't, you know, figure it out. My mouth doesn't know how to do this. So we looked at why so much over for the childbearing year. Thank goodness I, you know, leave crumbs behind me on my way so that I can follow my path back. And one of the things that it suggested was soaking your breasts in hot water. And we just ran up a sink full of water and got, with some difficulty, both of her now pretty large breasts into that water. And as soon as that her breasts hit that hot water, the milk just started pouring out. And then uh, my suggestion, thank you, Susan, for leaving suggestions for me, was a parsley compress. And the great thing about parsley, it's so easily available. So we were able just to chuck ourselves at the store, buy a couple of bunches of parsley, smash them between some cloth, and then apply that parsley compress. And, again, that just eased off the pain in her breast. And then we were able to reunite her with her baby, and uh, she looked at her parents, and she looked at her breast, and she looked at her baby, and she said, you know what, honey, because her baby was about 19 months old, she said, you know what, honey, I think 
that breastfeeding is coming to an end for us. We're going to find other ways to connect heart to heart. But now that I've gone through the hard part, I don't think I want to go back and have to do the hard part again. Yeah. Well, so totally so I, And is baby so drinking herbal infusions at this point? She, I've offered them to her, and sometimes she likes them, sometimes she just wants something to do with them. I, I should try and just throw some in her sippy cup, though, and see if she even knew the difference. Yes, that's a great idea. And also, of course, if you express milk at all, mixing that infusion with some of your own breast milk and remembering that, yeah, and there's kind of a, um, a catch there. And that is that as we move toward uh, the weaning, uh, the one breastfeeding that everybody likes is the cuddle up, let's go to sleep breastfeeding. And unfortunately, that leaves really acidic breast milk in baby's mouth. And and the dental problems that arise because of that cuddle up, end of the night breastfeeding um, can be, I mean, I've seen, children with their tiny little baby teeth having to have crowns fitted to their teeth because of the dental erosion from the breast milk. Yeah, I I was just funny you bring that up. I was just talking about that yesterday and I I've been working on I I breastfeed her and then there's some time and then I brush her teeth and then she goes to bed. But then she's still waking up at night and I'm breastfeeding her, so that's kind of defeating that whole purpose. But um, I do express some milk, so I could try mixing some herbal infusion in with it. That would be a good idea to get her kind of used to it. Exactly. Because so, I don't, like I was saying, though, I don't there, think it's there any, gorge. Is there, any, is there any redness or soreness in your breast connected to this pain? So it's not red, but like probably like like when I feel it, like to the left of the nipple, it's just like really tender, and it's just it comes and goes throughout the day, and especially at the end of the day, it's like it makes me need to like lay down. It hurts, but then it's like right now, I'm not feeling it at all. So let's think that there might be some infection there, because infection can act like that, right? Infection can kind of flare up and then drop back down again, and as the day goes on, infection does tend to get a little worse and a little worse. And let's see what happens if you start taking some echinacea. And if, echinacea? Yeah, some echinacea tincture. And, you know, a fair amount, three or four dropperfuls every three or four hours. And if within two days um, you're getting response, but not the strength of response that you want, add one drop of poker tincture once or twice a day because poke is very specific for infections and congestion in the breast. Well, is that second one comfrey tincture? No, not comfrey tincture. Absolutely not. Okay, what was the second tincture you said? The second tincture was P-O-K-E, poke, Phytolacca americana, the fresh root of the poke tincture and taken in single drops. In single drops. So first to try the echinacea a few times a day. And if that doesn't help after a couple of days of that, try one drop of the poke 
tincture with the echinacea. So what we want to see with the echinacea. What we want to see is some response from the echinacea. And if that response is not fast enough or as quick as you want it to be, you can up the ante by adding one drop of Toku tincture per day to one of your doses of echinacea. Okay. 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 And um, I have been taking uh, sunflower less lecithin. Um, I spoke to a lactation consultant, and she uh, recommended it. Do you have any thoughts on that? Why? Could you explain to me why you're taking it? Uh, so in in the case that I would have any sort of clogged duct, it, it works as a fat emulsifier to help the milk come out better. Has it been working? I've noticed the milk kind of has like a different consistency to it, whereas before it was like really kind of fat and thick, and now it's kind of coming out more as a stream. So, well, if you're comfortable with it, and you think that effective, I don't have anything against it except for the fact that it's a product you have to buy. Yeah, no, I understand and that. And, you know, you I've know, also been, you know, I, I do the herbal infusions. I've been cycling through the five ones you recommend. And I, I drink, uh, I do two ounces for two quarts every day. Wow, good for you. That's and then great. I... I've, and I drink water on top of that because I thought maybe I needed some extra water. But before this happened, I was mostly just drinking those and then getting water from, you know, fruits and vegetables and soups and smoothies and stuff. Exactly. That's definitely the royal road there for it. Um, I, I'm not sure that drinking water would have much effect. But, again, it probably wouldn't have an effect adversely. Whether or not it has an effect, you know, what is it, perversely, perversely? <laughs> yeah, so. no, but I've, I've been feeling really good the days that I just do, like I said, herbal infusions and then just get my water from, you know, kind of food sources. Exactly, exactly. And it's shifting. Uh, 18 months is a real uh, important time for most babies where – they are, you know, they're like fully formed finally, and they're really online, and they're starting to go my world, my way. And yeah. so before, before, in most nursing relationships, it's been our world, our way, and now baby is starting to push away, and that can be physically and psychologically kind of scary for everybody, even though that's exactly what baby wants, uh, and mom wants it too. Mom doesn't want to have a baby in her hands forever, but it's a transition, and it can be, uh, you know, a little, mm. so imagining that you are strong and healthy and your baby is strong and healthy, and we were talking about, you know, what uh, the message from Galaxia, which is what we want is for people to be in their power and vibrant and yet be able to share with others who are in their power and vibrant, but at a more powerful and more vibrant energy into the world at large. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm kind of waiting. She still nurses like two or three hours all together each day. So 
one of these days soon. It's not going to be like that. And you're right. She is she is her own little person, and I'm my own little person. <laughs> you bet. You know, and it's been a long haul for you here now, right? Over two years where you've given your body and your body's resources to this other being. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's Genevieve Vaughn, who I talked with as part of our COVID teleseminars series, talks about the gift economy. And that the basis of the gift economy is exactly that, that we as mothers give ourselves. We don't just give something. We give our bodies. We give our milk. We give our blood. We give our tissue. And we give it without any expectation of reward or being gifted back to this baby who's so vulnerable and who wells up in us such an intensity of loving care. And that Genevieve says, we now have an opportunity to all experience the gift economy that we received fully in whatever manner we received it. And we can all go back and say, nah, nah, I didn't like that. Nah, nah, I didn't like that. But you know what? That's your adult talking. You, you as a baby, you were thrilled to get whatever you got. And you were filled with gratitude to get whatever you got. And Genevieve says, that's our way forward. Allow ourselves to be filled with gratitude from the generosity of every single mother who's ever lived on this planet. And guess what? We are all born of a mother. And that's from Shushana Budapest. Never forget, she says, everybody has a mother. Well, that's really nice way of thinking of it. And so... I think I'm going to try some of what you were saying, maybe the parsley compress and for sure the echinacea. Um, I've, I've had I've had good experiences with that in the past. So I think that right. sounds like a really good idea. And how about if you give a call back in two weeks and just give us an update on what's going on, okay? Yeah, absolutely. Marvelous. And your baby's name is? Kara. Kara, what a beautiful name. Thank you so much for your call. Thank you so much for sharing your blessing. Thank you so much. Green blessings to you. The next caller is coming from the 828 area code. Hello. Hello. This is Moretta. Hello, Moretta. It's so good to hear your voice. Well, the skull cap, five drops. Every hour, and I did it from 12 noon Friday to Monday morning. And I woke up, and and the pain was gone. But then when I stopped doing it, you know, it came back. So, and uh, I kind of... Uh, I had a very um, dry mouth, very, very... Uh, I talked to another alternative doctor today, and she uh, she said, unfortunately, that uh, muscle relaxer you took um, burned, actually, your mouth and your throat. And um, she said... Um, she said the only way she knew... <laughs> How to help me would be with um, 
Pa gave me a mouthwash with steroids in it. And I was just like, oh, my God. You know, you can't come up with something better than steroids and have to swallow it, switch it around and have and swallow it. So I was wondering if you would uh, think of something for burn today. I... Been doing marshmallow. You, you, you know, you know. Yes, marshmallow. I've been having a love affair with marshmallow root over the past year. Uh, an herb that I've always heard about and heard good things about, but never, you know, really kind of set myself the time to work with it. And so that's. Uh, I'm glad to hear you say it because that's certainly what I came up with. And remembering that part of that healing of the marshmallow is in the mucilage, which is more cold soluble. So we make some regular marshmallow infusion with an ounce of herb and pour the boiling water. Right, what kind then, of infusion? Marshmallow root, yeah. Marshmallow root. And you root. make the infusion. You don't just do the tea. You make an infusion of marshmallow root, and you let it steep four to ten hours, and then you strain that out. But you leave the marshmallow root in the jar, and you fill that jar to the top with cold water. And now that cold water. And it'll take you to 10 hours. We'll extract the mucilages from the marshmallow. Meanwhile, you can be drinking the infusion that you made. And then once you have your, I call it marshmallow slime, and make sure you shake up the jar, right? Because the slime's going to go to the bottom. You shake up the jar and you start taking that. If the texture is, you know, weird for you, heat it up, put a little honey in it. Because even if you don't have marshmallow, honey. And we started out the evening yeah. talking about the healing powers of honey, right? Yeah, I've done it. I've done it with uh, manuka honey because it's <laughs> it helps. You can see I'm sort of like I can't hardly talk, and I'm very hoarse. But it's, yeah, I um, it yeah, it's yeah. Uh, really. Uh, I didn't understand what. You know, today it feels it's a little bit better because today I've been persistent all day long with the marshmallow root, and uh, and that's really scary when somebody says the only way we can treat this is with steroids. You know, as if I need another. Loretta, I've been in situations. Unfortunately, they do not come up very often, but I've been in situations where I'm publicly supposed to be showing up to teach. And I, something has happened to my throat, and it's exactly like you say. It's just like dry and burning. And I get a jar of honey by my side, and I'm sticking my finger in that honey and sucking my finger constantly. Yeah. Hello? There are also honey straws. If it's difficult to um, carry a jar of honey around, depending on, you know, where you're going, what you're doing. And there are honey straws, and you can just bite off the end of that honey straw and, again, just stick that in your mouth and just let it slowly trickle in, trickle in, because you're telling us exactly the right thing. The more you persist, the more frequently you do this, the going to be for you. Steroids are great, and we're happy to have steroids for people who want to take a pill once or twice a day and be done with it. Because, hey, what we're talking about is self-care. I just did an interview on Sunday about the new book, and I was talking about, you know, the foundational medicine, serenity medicine, story medicine, mind medicine, and lifestyle medicine, and then the gap, and then the 
medicines that save our lives, alternative medicine, pharmaceutical medicine, and deep medicine. And my interviewer said, well, Susan, do you understand that those first four medicines require your active participation? And the last three medicines, things just get done to you. And I said, I do understand that. And I understand that that's why we're in the medical mess we're in. Because somehow people have been led to believe that self-care consists of taking a pill or laying back and having something done to it. And although that's great, and I'm certainly not speaking against it, the real foundation of health is when we pick up the ball and say, my health, I'm running with it. I'm taking care of myself. And you, Moretta, you are at the top of the class on taking care of yourself. You are a blessing and a guidance to every single one of us. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep calling and let us all hold you in loving kindness. Oh, my God. Thank you so much because this has, I've been suffering so much over this, you know, mistake of doing going to Western medicine. I know that that is not a place for me to ever go to. And right. uh, my precious relationship with you for 45 years, you never heard me wear off like that, you know. And it's, no, uh, never. Yeah, never, never ever. I always stay on there. On this but let's, but, but let's be clear, yeah. and let's yeah. be clear, and not put down Western medicine because herbalism yeah. is Western medicine, right? Um, uh, Western medicine is okay. We're not against the West and for the East. What you're talking about is pharmaceutical medicine. Yeah, and, so and we you know always what? remember that pharmaceutical medicine may get us through and save our lives, but it's going to bite us in the butt. Yeah. In this case, it bit you in the tongue. Somewhere right? it's going to, that steroids, as you said, to swallow myself, tell myself, so what happens to my digestion or the rest of my body when I do that, you know? So, but I wanted to ask you again, I make it the infusion, let it sit for 10 hours, strain it, but, but, uh, what did it you can, say, leave, Loretta, leave the room? It can sit for anywhere between 4 and 10 hours. It's ready yeah. in 4 hours. But if you want to do it overnight for some people, that might bump it up to the 10 hours. But you don't have to let it go. 10 hours is plenty ready to go within four. Yeah. And what did you say about cold water? After you make the marshmallow infusion, regular way, lay out one ounce of marshmallow root, put it in a quart jar, fill it up the top with boiling water, let it get tightly lit for between four and 10 hours, strain that infusion out, Retain the root in the jar. It's going to be a little liquid left there. That's okay. Now fill the jar with cold water. Let oh, it the over, okay. So over okay. the root, pour cold water, and and then do what with it? And put it in the refrigerator. And, and, then, and then do what? And then do what with it? And that's going to take a little longer because those cold water soluble mucilages out. So don't be thinking that you're going to get it in an hour. You know. Be patient with it. You've got the other stuff to drink. And shake the jar and you taste it and you'll see it'll start to get slimier and slimier. And you can actually do that cold water over the marshmallow at least one more time. So you have the infusion, that's number one. Then you have the cold water extraction, that's number two. And if you want to go to a three, another cold water extraction, it's usually enough in the marshmallow 
to give you that bump air to. And how many hours with the cold water in the refrigerator? Just watch it. Right, shake it up. Just watch watch it. it, Taste it. You know, usually within four hours, but sometimes it might take a little longer as long as you're yeah. refrigerated. It's not a problem. It's not high protein. The regular nourishing and herbal infusions like comfrey and red clover and nettle and ostra are very high in protein. So they really have a time in which they're not going to be okay anymore. But the marshmallow has enough sugar in it to ferment. And I've had, you know, if I've been trucking around with uh, a quart of marshmallow, I have had it go off in a splendid way. Oh, my gosh. Because of the sugars, other than that, that refrigeration is going to slow down that kind of thing. And yeah, mush, it, marshmallow I found was the only thing I tried. Violet, I, I tried comfrey, I tried everything, but I felt that marshmallow was the only thing that's been soothing to it. Yes. Not, yeah, the major, yeah. major soother to those two. Major soother, yeah. And major soothe it also to the stomach and to the respiratory, you know. Absolutely. So, yeah. Right. Althea officinalis. Growing a garden this year, been growing a garden, get some marshmallow going. Haven't ever grown a garden, get some marshmallow going. It's a easy plant to grow. Oh, I've yeah. I have, I've, I've grown it forever. I love the flowers. It's so beautiful. So beautiful, so easy yeah. to grow. And I was talking to people who've grown it, and I said, is it a perennial? And they say, well, it self-seeds so heavily that it acts like a perennial. Yeah. It's like pure love. That plant is pure love. It certainly is. And I yeah. love you. And I love you, too, so deeply, I can't tell you. Our relationship for 45 years is just the one. It's probably the one, I mean, after my kids, you know, my grandchildren, I treasure you the most on this planet. Oh, Moretta, I am so... I love you and respect you, and my God, your work is incredible. abundantly well is treasure, book and never... I mean, your love, your love. I know this is like at home, everybody can handle this book, you know, or everybody can deal with it. It's like amazing. Thank you. Yeah, we were were so happy that Amazon started ordering books again. You know, they were just delivering food and medical supplies and praises to them that they were doing that. But now they're up and running on some books, which they call critical books, and they just ordered 400 copies of Abundantly Well. And so... People need it desperately now, you know. That and book is desperately needed now. All, all I have to do is screw myself into my seat and get that index in a better shape. And I apologize to everybody who supported me by buying this first edition because there's some major boo-boos in that index. But we're getting it straightened out. And uh, Betsy says, don't even show it to me until you've got it straightened out, my editor, Betsy. Right. And I said, Betsy... I'm working on it, but see of red ink I'm going through here. I'm probably going to have to do it twice. And, Moretta, I'm literally going entry by entry and double-checking all of it. Oh, God bless you. God bless you for all your hard work. God bless you. I am blessed. I am blessed by the loving, caring kindness of you and so many others 
It is so sustaining and nourishing to me. I don't even have words for it. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's it. that love right now is so important, you know, that that we have love and sweetness and beauty and, you know, it saves our lives. I mean, our immunity system needs this stuff, you know. Yeah. yeah. Green blessings, my love. Yeah, green blessings to you, my heart. My heart's love. I receive it. Open arms, open heart, open eyes. Open arms, yeah. Beauty and the stillness and love. Still, silent, patient. Talk to you again soon. Okay. The next caller is coming from the 845 area code. Hello. Hi. Hi, Susan. This is Tatiana. I want to... I'm grateful to hear your voice, and uh, I want to report that it's three weeks I got off medication, and everybody around me is crazy and gives me the works as to what I should do. And uh, I am doing what you told me, you know, Hawthorne and uh, motherwort tinctures and the teas. And um, I do feel better in terms of not being so dizzy and drowsy, which... um, I believe it had to do with my medication. And I didn't call my doctor because the doctor will uh, start medicating me with something else until she finds something that doesn't drive me dizzy, but that drives me something else because I don't believe that there is a medication without side effects. However, I do have the nitroglycerin, and even that has a side effect. It was written on it to take it before I exercise or I move, which is kind of difficult for me. So I tried it once, and it goes to my head, and I feel like my head is expanding and growing into like an IT head, ET, ET head, and um, <laughs> it doesn't feel good. Uh, I, Worst old has no side effects. It's not something dangerous. I can take it whenever I feel uh, pain in my chest, which I'm not sure if it's in my chest or in my left breast. I I don't, uh, whatever. So oh, what happens to my blood pressure is that... Nitroglycerin has one primary effect, and that is that it opens the blood vessels. Yeah, blood I understand. I understand. And then it has a hard time getting through. So an effect of opening the blood vessels is a little dizziness. You're absolutely right. And that can sometimes be something with a little bit of nausea. And so I think that you're finding your way through as to when you are going to benefit from nitro. And it doesn't sound like taking it before is when you need it. But you might need to take it during or perhaps after and certainly not every time, just whatever. Oh, no, I, I, just, I just took it. The first time it burned under my tongue like hell, um, 
and then I tried again a week later one, and uh, I just moved it around under my my tongue so it wouldn't burn so much. Uh, It's okay, but I don't like it. What I wanted to say is that my blood pressure, as I took, of course, I was concerned uh, every day, did not change. What changes, it is... As before, it is labile. That means if I rest, I am 120. If I move, I am 140 to 50. If I sit down and do some writing, I am 30, 130. So um, it's written in this machine that I'm using that I should consult my doctor if my blood pressure is labile, which sounds to me that's pretty normal that if a body is moving, it changes the blood pressure according to the effort involved. Is that true? Well, you know, it's blood pressure, and the way we view blood pressure has changed so dramatically in the past 100 years and even in the past 20 years. And gradually what we have come to believe is healthy is to have every human being, no matter what their age or their health status, have basically the same blood pressure which is is under 130, more ideally 120. Now, just 100 years ago, they accepted as a healthy blood pressure 100 plus your age. So if you were 60, they would accept 160 as the highest mark that your blood pressure could go. And and I'm with you, lay by all means, that your body's responding. The problem, of course, when we get up into those upper numbers, is the blood vessels are so contracted that critical organs are not getting the blood flow that they need. And I think that at that point, you're doing exactly what is healthiest for you, which is to get up and move. Yeah, I'm I'm doing that every day. I go right. to the post office and I go up and down 120 steps with intermissions of resting and walking slowly. And the American Medical Association just came out with a statement saying that um, all kinds of uh, heart disease, including blood pressure, that doctors should now first recommend lifestyle changes before they recommend drugs. So the word is getting out. Drugs are great. They're wonderful to have. They act fast. They're really good for people who, through circumstance, or disinclination are not up for taking the kind of care of themselves that you're taking. Um, And we always want to remember that the uh, modern scientific view is of a person who is not going to take care of themselves and is not going to use those four pillars of health, serenity medicine, story medicine, mind medicine, and lifestyle medicine. And insofar as you are using those, you now become the unusual person, the exception. And so those rules and those guidelines which are written on those drugs are for the unexceptional person. And they don't apply as strongly to you. And so it's not as important. They what threaten the me with a with a stroke if I if I don't take medication for blood pressure, everybody's telling me it's non-negotiable. I said, I'm not taking it. I get a stroke, I'll get a stroke, I'll see what I'll do. It's quite amazing to me that people who are devoted to healing should be trained 
that threaten people because yeah. it's hard enough having a difficult condition, which is kind of scary and worrisome, and then being being basically threatened. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't do this, you will die, and having to really stand in your power. And yet, let's be thankful that we can stand in our power and we can say, "I hear you. I hear your concern. I hear that you are worried that I will have a stroke, and I want you to just take a step back and take a look at me and understand I am willing to take that risk." And this is something that I've always told healthcare professionals who I asked for help. I said, I want you to remember right off the top, I'm a risk taker. And if you're going to tell me this is the safest way to do it, that's not going to hold any credence for me because I want to take the risk. I have a question about the Hawthorn tincture. Uh, I heard you saying that the Hawthorn infusion is more powerful than the Hawthorn tincture. And I do have... Uh, a bunch of Hawthorne uh, flower tea, and I wonder that the tincture is also made of the flowers or is made of the entire plant, and if it's a good idea to make infusion uh, for whatever needs balance in my body, or it's okay to go on with what you said before, twice a day tincture. First of all, I do not think that one form of Hawthorne is to another. Uh-huh. It, it depends on the person and the circumstance. So, you know, once I passed the ripe old age of 60 and heard myself saying, Hawthorne for the aging heart, I said, hello, girl, you've got to step up here and understand you've got an aging heart here. So I started taking Hawthorne. I only take one or possibly two dropperfuls on a daily or every other day basis because I'm using it as an adaptogenic tonic to maintain good health. As we come into a situation like yours, where you're actually using the Hawthorne to deal with your blood pressure being high, then what is going to work for you is what is easy for you and what you can do. And you can do it all if you wanted to. The tincture traditionally is made from the Hawthorne berries. Uh-huh. And that can be made from dried berries, or ripe berries. Every year, blessed be, my beloved Eagle Song sends me some fresh hawthorn berries and some hawthorn oxymel. And so I get that, you know, at least once a year, I get that hit of the fresh hawthorn. And then other than that, I make tincture of the dried hawthorn berries. The leaf and the flower of the hawthorn is good medicine. But for me and my body, it's too drying. Mm-hmm. Right, I tell the story about Eagle Song meeting me at the airport to take me to a conference, an herbal conference, and I said, ooh, what infusion did you bring? And she said, Hawthorne, and it's iced, and I opened it up and took, you know, blood, 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 and the next thing I knew, I couldn't even talk. My mouth was so dry, and we still get around to this day that if she wants to make me quiet, all she has to do is give me some Hawthorne leaf and flower infusion. Uh-huh. <laughs> So experiment with it. You can't hurt yourself with Hawthorne. You can't take too much Hawthorne. It's nothing that you do there. It's going to be a problem And you, by this experimentation and by listening to yourself and seeing, wow, when I do this, 
you know, this is more likely to happen. And when I do that, this is more likely to happen. You'll be able to come up with a plan that really suits you, and it might be different day to day because we're not the same every single day. The circumstances of our lives, our feelings, what's going on in the world, all of those things, of course, have an effect on blood pressure. And so how wonderful to have the box of 72 crayons with a built-in sharpener that you can say, hmm, today I don't want fire engine red. I want rose red. Yeah, well, sometimes I do drink rose tea or mint well, I'm, tea. I'm, I'm being figurative. I'm not talking about roses, actually. I'm talking about a box of crayons. And instead of just having red as a color, the box of 72 is a variety of different shades. And that's what we're able to do if we have often berry tincture, often berry tincture from the dry berries, often berry tincture from the fresh berries, often berry infusion, you know, often berry infusion from the berries, often infusion from the leaves and flowers. I have never used tincture of the leaves and flowers because Hawthorne doesn't grow around me, but the next time that you're around Eagle Song or I'm around Eagle Song, let's ask her because Eagle Song has devoted herself to Hawthorne and to spreading the word on Hawthorne and has traveled extensively, learning about the hundreds and hundreds of different species of Hawthorne. And when I was out last year, um, year before last, um, no, last year, year before last, yeah, like year before last. Um, and the Hawthorne uh, was in berry, and Eagle Song was bringing us in uh, different berries, and they ranged in size from like little crab apples to, to tiny little rose hips. And I could tell that they were having slightly different effects on me. So we just kind of cycled back to where we were talking about goat milk and words and to blur away the distinctions because the word remains the same. It's very static. And so we can say author and very, and how convenient for us to be able to communicate. But when we're really out there, we see it's author and berries, and they're different. And again, that's why I go back to my analogy of having the box of 72 crayons. If you live with author and grow, and um, uh, earlier on, um, Rebecca was saying the hawthorn is already out of flower and those berries are starting to grow and we start to get an opportunity to work with the different berries and to see what's going to be my ally, which of the hawthorns is the one that is going to really move through my chemical pathways. I guess each and every one of us has a unique and different way to metabolize and utilize something like Hawthorne. I have last question. Um, I'm taking the Hawthorne blend. I paid $50 for four ounces um, from Herb Farm, and it's written on it, Hawthorne Blend System Restoration. And I, it's not written what kind of a blend it is. I suppose blend of leaf, flower, berry, or what does that mean? Well, you know, it's not something that I can answer because oh, I'm not the don't. one making that remedy. But I know that the people at Herb Farm are magnificent 
and it should be a website or uh, email address or a phone number. And you call them up and you say, can you tell me what's in the Hawthorne blend? Yeah. Is it a variety of different berries? Yeah, Haws, you know, Hawthorne. Is that why it's a blend? Or is it a blend of various parts of the Hawthorne? And just to add more complexity to this, in prior centuries, herbalists would have a different name for a Hawthorne that was growing by a seashore than they would for a Hawthorne that was growing on a mountaintop. Um, so do you think it's a good idea to take it more than twice a day? Sometimes I kind of skip. I don't know. Uh, it, Again, is it beneficial or not? Drugs must be taken by a schedule. It's very important because drugs are useful in your body for a certain amount of time, and then their effect wears off. But things like Hawthorne, adaptogens, and food-like plants tend to linger in your body. And that means that if you skip a dose, nothing bad is going to happen. Or if you double up on your dose, nothing bad is going to happen. If you were eating an apple pie to improve your heart, and you skipped a day on your apple pie, nothing bad would happen. Or if you decided to have two slices today, nothing bad would happen, except perhaps around your waistline. Is it that encourages me to feel that I'm more protected, that I have less fatigue and, and less uh, dizziness and stuff like that? No. Absolutely. Absolutely. You use Hawthorne as you are called to use it, knowing that it is one of the safest herbs in the world, it's a true adaptogen, and it doesn't just deal with your blood pressure. It actually improves the effectiveness of that entire cardiovascular system and especially the effectiveness and the strength of the heart muscle without enlarging it. We don't want the heart muscle enlarged. We don't want it bulked up. There's not a lot of room in those chambers, but what we want is more effective use of those muscles, and that is exactly what Hoffman is doing. And there's plenty of studies, and David Hoffman, in um, at least one of his books, if not more, uh, refers back to those studies showing that Hawthorne is especially effective for things like um, the uh, blood vessel involvement that can happen with diabetes, because Hawthorne is one of the few agents that can get itself all the way into the capillaries of eye vessels and work there to maintain good health. So it's certainly a cardiac herb, we know that, and it's certainly an herb that affects blood pressure, we know that. But let's also expand our view and say, hey, that author is not limited. That's why we like herbs, because we get all these, you know, you know, buy one, get one with herbs, it's buy one, get ten. <laughs> Thank you so much, Susan. Thank you for your help. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you for sharing what's going on with you. We are blessed and feel so honored to hear from you. Thanks. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. What what, what do we have? We have like 10 minutes left there, Rebecca. We have about six minutes before the guest arrives. Okay. So we'll see. One more call, maybe. The guests, right? The multitude of guests we're having tonight. Right. <laughs> the next caller is coming from the 352 area code. 
Hello, thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. I, I just have one question, Susan. Could you tell me what your favorite periodicals are, and I'll hang up and listen to your answer. <laughs> that is actually a tough question, and I actually couldn't answer it in even a single minute. I subscribe to over your, five, your top five. I subscribe to over 100 different periodicals, and I get different things from them. So, um, Could you give me the names of the... A few that I could, I mean, I'm, I'm very yeah. interested. Nutrition Action News, which is put out by the Center for Science in the Public Interest, CSPA, CSPI, Center for the Science in the Public Interest, CSPI.org, and they, they have some hobby horses in the previous. They think that there should be no fat in your milk. And they think there should be no salt in food. I don't agree there, but that's okay. I don't have to agree with every bit of it. Science News. Science News is a uh, thin periodical which is designed to bring cutting-edge science to the layperson, to the the person who doesn't want to have to hack their way through nature, which, let's face it, can be pretty dense. And Science News covers it all from what's going on with the great galaxies out there to what's going on with the minuta of the working of the human body and everything in between. So I really, really enjoy science news. I also okay. subscribe I subscribe to most of the health letters. So women's nutritious women's nutrition news, you know, um, heart health news arthritis news today. These are all uh, usually eight-page newsletters, very nicely done. And, uh, hey, if I subscribe to... Do you subscribe to the Townsend letter? I don't, but that's okay. I find it... um, Oh, how shall I put this? I I find that it rides hobby horses, and although I find that useful, it's a very thick periodical. Uh, often, you know, running to over 100 pages, and they'll just really, like, uh, push down on a certain theme. And I think if you're not, like, a, a clinician, if you're not really working with a lot of people, that the that what's in there can be quite overwhelming to the layperson. So it's the kind of thing that I like to pick up an issue of now and then and spend a little time with and then come back to in a couple of years, right? So, um, environmental nutrition is another super newsletter. It's one of those little eight-page newsletters. And one of the things that really got in my heart uh, about uh, environmental nutrition is that they came out at their headline article and said, we've been telling you for years and years and years that you have to take supplements. And we want you to know we were wrong. You don't have to take supplements. Nice. Wrong about that, and you're wrong about pushing vitamin E supplements. And right now, we're saying, don't do that. Cut back, get your nutrition from food. And I don't know if you know, have noticed, but more and more and more places are really um, championing a cause that I've been championing for many, many decades with you. Get your nutrition from food. You can never replace the nutrition you get in food. I've taken a pill. Just isn't going to work that way. It never has, and it never will 
And do you need to eat lots and lots of food to do that? No, you don't need to eat lots and lots of food. The nourishing herbal infusions can cover a whole lot of that, right? Thank you so much, Susan. You are so welcome. Dream blessing. All right. Is our guest on the line here? She is here, and I will put her through now. All right. I am so excited. We have an opportunity to talk with Ginger Metro, Ph.D. Ginger has been an astrologer, coach, a writer, and a nutritionist. And we're going to find out how it was she became a trans channel for Galexus, who has enabled her to be trained in medical intuition. Welcome to the show, Ginger. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah. So um, I could read what you've written here about Galexus, and I'm happy to do that if you'd like me to, but perhaps you could just elicit your own words a little bit about Galexus and about how you came to be the embodied presence of Galexus. All right. Well, um, well, Galexus uh, is a is a group of uh, beings uh, who speak as one, and they they kind of work together through me. I was uh, practicing uh, uh, intuition, and um, because uh, there came a point where all my favorite channels that I would call up to get a reading from were getting too busy. So I was like, well, I guess maybe I'm going to have to learn how to do this myself. So, so I started practicing, and then I took a course um, uh, in how to uh, be a trans medium. And by golly, uh, in the, uh, at the last day of the course, uh, Spirit spoke directly through me. It was uh, quite an astounding, surprising experience. But uh, once I got kind of got used to that, I started practicing, and I'd go into trance, and 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 somebody'd come through, and then I would uh, come out of trance, and then I'd go back into trance, and somebody'd come out, and then I'd go back and uh, uh, you know, and so on and so on. But it was exhausting. And I, it's kind of tiring to go in and out of trance a lot. So so uh, one day they just all got together and said, well, we're just going to become we're going to speak as one we'll just pass the microphone around you know so wow. so yeah so injure some trans channels that i know remember um what they're channeling afterwards and some mm-hmm. don't right well it depends on the depth of which you are channeling and uh, i was wanting to become a complete and total trans channel um, because I I was uh, I thought that the best uh, uh, channeled entity was Lazarus and and Jack Purcell who channeled Lazarus would go completely out, uh, but they they said no that's not your path your path is a path of, of a lot of consciousness, so basically what it is is that I just kind of scoot to the back and I kind of it's like I'm you know hanging out on the beach listening to some friends having a conversation. And that's uh, kind of where it's at. So sometimes what a wonderful, I, what a wonderful yeah. image. Oh, we're right there with you. <laughs> we may be, well, it's so we much fun because I learn so much, you know. <laughs> we, I may all be six feet apart, but we're out there on that beach with you. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're part of a spiritual community. We're here. We're we're yeah. one. So yeah. do I understand, do I understand that you are going to offer us the great gift of actually allowing Galexa to come and speak to us through you tonight? I think that would be a, a part of the plan. So if it's all right with you, I, I think I'll head on out into trance, and uh, and then right. Galactus will come come through. How's that? That sounds good. Does that take a short time or a long time? It takes a, a few seconds, but and and I do need a quiet. Uh, all right. So that so that I don't get disturbed while I'm trying to go down in there. So okay. okay. All right. Here I go. All right, we are here. We are Galaxies. Hi, Galaxies. I've never met you before. Well, yes, and we haven't met you before either. But we're meeting you now, and so we're seeing this pretty luminous being here. So, uh, <laughs> hello. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. So what would Galactus. you like to discuss? Well, Galactus, you know, we are all of humanity is in the midst of uh, big upheaval. And some mm-hmm. are responding to this with a lot of fear. And some are responding with joy. And some are responding by really understanding that something is opening up and that we are being allowed an opportunity. Could you tell us more about what's going on? Right now, all right. Well, you know, uh, when the when the channel uh, set up the uh, the timing, uh, it was a, a what a month ago, whatever. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on there. There's a lot of new stuff going on now, uh, and so what we're seeing here is a is a huge evolutionary shift. On, and uh, we we we're certain that you know about this, and you're fully participating in it, and, and most of your listeners are as well. Um, but it's a, it's a shake-up of the old structures, a shake-up of the patriarchy, a shake-up of, the, of the, way th- the sense of order, the way things have been. And, um, it, but it, and there is almost a sense of suspense going on because in this chaos, in this change, um, there's a... a a lack of boundaries, an, an an unknown that that people are all being plunged into, and so uh, to be able to utilize the chaos, to utilize this unknown, um, you have to have a certain amount of wit about you, or have a certain idea of what you can do. Most people don't, and that's where the fear is. Um, there's fear on the side of pretty much on the left wing. You'll find uh, find that the, the they're just cowered by the media and frightened and and hiding from that ugly virus that might come and get them um, and so on. And then over on the extreme right wing, you have the outrage that you know our freedoms are being taken away um, and uh, and this is just a virus and grumble grumble grumble. So you got these extremes. Those 
the extremes. And then you got all the people in the middle said like, well, well, but what do I do now? How do we how do we function now? Everything's shifted. Everything's changed. How do we do it? So, what we like to suggest is uh, is essentially um, to to recognize that when there is chaos, there is an opening of possibility that you don't have in times of relative calm where you think you're in control. And as you probably know from a metaphysical standpoint, nobody's ever in control. Uh, basically, you're, you're in fluid, experiential, you know, uh, relationship with your universe. Uh, and, and yes, you can intend and move energy and, and so on. But you never can really control and hold things down and force anything to be a certain way. And so so you can get into that illusion that you have some control during normal times, you know, when, but over the past uh, three years uh, with the Trump presidency, it's been a huge turmoil because this is where all everything's getting shaken up, everything's getting shaken loose, and all the stuff is, all the political garbage is flying both ways, and, uh, and uh, you've been in chaos now for a good uh, three years. So, so, but now with the coronavirus coming in, the coronavirus is a totally new wrinkle, and not only is it chaotic, but it is absolutely the uh, greatest sense of the unknown and the greatest sense of mystery that just has come in, like, where in the heck are we going? It's like a, one of the Big East uh, you know, events that have happened in a lot of people's lives. Um, and uh, so well, the opportunity here, though, is to realize that the old ways are going, and that's personal as well as social and cultural and, and in the way of the world. And a new way is to come. But what is that new way? What, what the opportunity is is for you to imagine the new way for you personally. And so that's what we are basically telling everyone. is like, okay, who are you wanting to become now? This is the opportunity to throw off any residues or any crap, old programs, old limitations, old blockages, old scripts and, and old uh, narratives, old ideas of yourself, old self-images. Time to throw them out and put together something new. Time to rebirth yourself. Time to transform yourself. And it's more than even transformation. Transformation is moving from uh, a a less functional or less useful uh, image into a a more a new functional image. But uh, but what you're having the opportunity for here is transcendence, which means that not only do you not move from this, not only do you move from the old limited self-image, but when you move to the new image, it's beyond what you have imagined. And you don't know how you get there. Um, you, it's like magic. It's like a miraculous shift. And so uh, to, it, you can trigger this consciously and deliberately on your part. But understand that most people, when they're trying to figure out the future, they try to figure out a business plan, so to speak. They want step by step, let's, let's figure this out step by step. 
and so on. Let's have something so that, and again, this is the urge to control. Okay, we if I know I'm going to go there and we're going to do this and it looks like that, great. Then I know what to work towards. But the thing is, it's it's going to be possibly better than that. And it's possibly going to be different from that. And so uh, you can't imagine from here what it's going to be like there. It's a frequency shift that's really quite huge. But here's how here's how you can you can do it. Here's how anyone can do it. And basically, this is what you do anyway on one level or another all the time. You're always creating a future for yourself. Um and so we would suggest that in your imagination that you go visit your future self and the self that you want to be. Uh, and just experience the beingness of this person. Uh, experience the resonance, the luminosity, the beauty, the joy, the celebration, the the health, the vitality, the 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 lifestyle, the wonder of it. All right, and just kind of get into it. Don't put in specific programs like so much money this big mansion I live in, or whatever it is, but just put in the resonance. This is you, the frequency of you, that is closer to your higher self than you've ever been. And it's just, it's you on the way towards being God, which is your path anyway. Uh, you're growing up into the being the divine you and knowing who you are as a divine you. You want to imagine what would it be like if you really, really knew really owned it, that you're divine. And so that way you can hold a resonance above above illness, above suffering. Uh, the thing is, is that, uh, and as you know, Susan, that, that when you do healing, when, when healing happens, uh, the, the way the body heals and the way you can do healing with frequency is that if you can bring the person up to a frequency level, to a resonance frequency that's above the level of the disease or limiting condition, basically they undergo a healing, right? And so basically what you're wanting to do is to heal the reality that you're in now by seeing and feeling and experiencing in your imagination as vividly as you can what it'd be like to live at that frequency, and and this stretches the imagination quite a bit because most people are trained to imagine their problems and how they're going to solve the problems or what potential problems could show up. And so, you know, energetically, you're, uh, these people are putting their focus on the wrong place. They need to look at what it is they want to become. And then, then there is a way of moving out of that. And that's one of the things we've discovered with this COVID-19 virus is that the virus is essentially, um, is essentially a messenger. It comes with an offer. It comes with an offer uh, to a person to fulfill a script that they have or a narrative they have or to fulfill uh, a family genetic uh, path or or uh, fulfill uh, to to die uh, to uh, to experience a certain kind of suffering to uh, or even just to detox their body just to bring up what is the poison and to get the poison out and so the virus offers this and if your frequency is way up there because you've been 
you've been in the sunshine, you've got breathing fresh air, you're drinking clean water, you're eating really good food, uh, good quality food, um, and you're off of the sugars and junk food and all that kind of refined stuff, and and you're and you're really conscious about your electromagnetic fields around you, and and you're you're really taking care of yourself. Your frequency is going to be beyond what the the virus can offer. You see, so we call yeah, that having. <laughs> you know what's what's been running through my mind for most of this week is the lyrics to that old Donovan song. You remember, happiness flows in a circular motion. Love is like a little boat upon the sea. Oh yes. Everybody is a part of everything. Anyhow, you can have it all if you let yourself. Yes, yes, absolutely, and how fun that song is, too, because, it, you know, everyone takes this COVID-19 virus so seriously that if it can be light, just the lightness and the joy, you know, uh, takes your resonance above the need to respond to the virus with a yes. You know, you can say, um, well, you're not really necessary or, you know, there's, you're not useful, virus. Thank you very much. Goodbye. But, but you see that you have then what we call spiritual antibodies. Ooh, tell us about that. Okay. One of the things that we have learned is that um, your immune system, your immune system is geared up to fight an invader. All right. Now, this is a this is a, a, a template or an idea of battle. The whole idea is about conflict and battle and winning. Right? Um, yeah. Yeah. And yes, yes, the the immune system can do that. But you see, the immune that's a kind of a, the masculine side of the immune system. There's a feminine side of the immune system. And the feminine side of the immune system, on the on the dark side, would be a sense of victimhood, right? But on the positive side, it has to do with love and compassion. Right? So the way you build your immune system and build antibodies, so that the antibodies are no longer needed to fight, but they, by their very presence, stand stand in in a sense of. Uh, uh, as a wall, as a barrier of love and compassion, then, of course, the virus is not going to be, uh, you know, it's not going to enter. Right? So um, so here's what we would suggest is that, uh, and then we're going to put this also, this is going to be our blog theme for the in a couple of weeks, uh, is the spiritual antibodies. And, and so we're going to... Um, you know, we have a, a website that is called galexisspirit.com, and we're going to put that, post that on a blog. Um, and it's a, it's a technique whereby every day that you breathe in the light through the crown, you breathe in the light, love Mother Earth through, through, the, through your feet, and this love of God, God is all that is from above, and the love of earth from, from below, they meet in your heart space. And your heart space gets really, really big, and you just start thinking of everything and everybody you have loved, and you do love, and all their pets and your animals, and, and everything that is loving for you, right? And this builds up your heart chakra light so huge 
that then you begin sending this light out into the world. You love yourself first. You feel that love within you. And then you start sending out in a big beam of light into the world. And you send it out with love and compassion. And that's to everybody, even those who would be your enemies or those who criticize you. Well, who cares? You're sending them love. You're sending <laughs> compassion out there. Right? right and when you love well, love is is not do it dualistic. Love that's right. is not limited. Right. Love is not like you have a love account and it gets used up and you have no more. No, the more <laughs> No, you no. Use, as as you give you... the love out, more comes in. Right. It's like the divine will give you more and more love the more you send out. And the compassion for the suffering that's out there. And if you send that love and compassion to all the people who are suffering, which is pretty much everybody, and you send it out there into the world, we have noticed that people who send out love and compassion regularly have the strongest immune system. All right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they also are immune from negative thinking, and, you know, in the vibes of around the planet, there's a tremendous amount of fear and rage and all sorts of negativity going on. And if you are vibing to fear, you're going to pick up the collective fear, and it's going to dump on you, and it's going to be really a big deal. Now, people who are uh, sensitive, people who are empaths, if they're not careful, they can get overloaded with what's going on on the planet. And so this is an antidote to that. This creates the antibodies. This is the antidote. So where if you keep sending it out, it protects you from darkness. It protects you from evil. It protects you from attack. Uh, and, fear, and then on top of it, it just makes you luminous. What's that? Fear is contagious. <laughs> well, why not have light being contagious rather than darkness? That sounds like a good plan to us. Exactly. Rather than fear, we want love. Yes, absolutely. You displace all that fear out there, and because you have more light, luminous going out, then if you're an empath, then you, you tend to suck stuff in. So, so instead, you're pushing it out in a way with love. That totally I, I, I so adore that. I'm having a little bit of a hang-up, though, because... Oh, maybe five minutes ago you were talking about the male principle and the female principle, and the male principle is usually characterized as light, and the female principle is usually characterized as dark. Mm. And now you're telling us that we want to get rid of the dark. So, uh, excuse me. Well, you you want you don't want the dark feminine or the dark masculine. Okay, the dark masculine Why not? is well because. Uh, because if you're wanting to heal or lift your frequency, you want to heal the dark so that it blends so that you get a masculine-feminine balance of the light. Okay, the dark feminine is self-hatred. It's the it's the it's a self-judgment, the shame going within. It's all the dark emotional stuff that people can get stuck with with dark uh, scripts and so on and so on. That is the dark side of the feminine. It, that is it's never. That's mm-hmm. never been my experience. As a matter of fact, let me share with you a very early spiritual experience that I had when I was in my 20s, and I was quite sick. I was running a very high fever, and I was hallucinating. And uh, what I hallucinated was this beautiful, big, glowing orb of light held mm-hmm. by these two beautiful hands, and it was coming toward me. It was coming mm-hmm. toward my face, 
It was coming mm-hmm. toward my face, and I was opening to it, and I accepted it and brought it in. And I yeah. thought, wow, that was great. And then I realized I was seeing a sphere of darkness. Mm-hmm. And the sphere of darkness was being held by these exquisitely beautiful hands, and it was coming toward me, and it was coming toward me. And I panicked. I let fear stay, <laughs> and I wouldn't let it in. And there was this voice in my head that said, you just failed. You do your homework, and you learn how to accept darkness because there can never be light without the dark. You get rid mm-hmm. of dark, you fail. Okay. Well, and of well course, when you accepted the darkness, idea, you... Well, when you accepted the darkness, dear one, we have a question. When you accepted the darkness, when you finally did, and of course you did, is that did you still feel that you failed? When I, well, uh, what I began to do was I began to understand that my fear of the dark came about through um, images of people with dark skin should make me afraid, and the bad people wear dark. And as I went deeper and deeper into that, the earth said to me, I am the ultimate darkness. You are all just a little fuzz of light on my skin. But the only thing that's real is the real darkness of the earth. And this is where all love and all beauty is coming from. And if Mm -hmm. you allow... Well, now you're seeing a different darkness than what we're talking about. That's what I'm saying. You were talking yes. about a cultural darkness that divides us and that makes the lives the dar- of people. You, what with you're dark seeing there, the darkness that you see there, is the womb of the goddess. That's that's where right. where realities are created. Yes. Okay, exactly. but we're not talking about that kind of darkness. We're ta- we're talking about the limitation of the darkness. That when you get into the womb of the goddess, in the which is the unknown, which is this this chaos is the opportunity to go in there. There is no self-hatred in there. There is no shame in there. But it's you move down through it. You have to honor it, of course, which is what you did. You honored it in your life. You honored the dark as well as the light. But what happens is, is that what you're aiming for, the light that you're moving towards, is not masculine. The light is feminine too. We don't see any d- distinction, but we see that both masculine feminine are light and dark okay and well and not exactly that's the way we see it masculine right. and feminine are social constructs they have no actual being male is not a social contract construct and female is not a social construct and as soon as i start talking about feminine then there are certain well, we're not talking about we're talking about masculine and feminine in the sense that when the divine created, they had to use they had to create by duality. Otherwise, you wouldn't get all of the illusion that you have now. You, they had to create by the dynamic, and they had to create by the the uh, intuitive. They had the will, the action over here on this side, and they had the intuition and feeling over here, and they blended them and created. That's the way we see it. Okay, thank you for helping me to clarify that because I'm very sensitive to how this dualistic belief in darkness makes life miserable 
Oh gosh, yeah. Stuff. If 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 you buy into the social construct around darkness, and that's why, as you know, that when people do uh, healing of their darker, you know, uh, their trauma out of their body. You know, a lot of people have trauma and experience trauma, and that trauma gets down in there, and it there creates a core negative core belief about themselves, and that's where they experience the pain of the darkness. But it's also the place that if you go through that, you can reach and touch your soul. And from there, you can begin to uh, create something new. But you have to utilize the masculine. And there's dark masculine as well. The dark masculine is very, um, in in the social constructs, that's where you find the dark, dark masculine and dark feminine is in the social constructs. And again, again, I'm saying I will not accept that. I will accept the dark male and I will accept the dark female because those are actual things. But the actual concept of masculine is completely a social construct. And if you go that's from right, that's culture, right. Culture, but that's where that's where people are limited. Limited. Yes. That's that's what. That's where you that's limit yourself is when you're there in the social construct. That's what I found. Construct. Yes, but that's what, what really you want to rise here. above. Right. That's it's not light and dark. Does. We're talking about limits or expansion. And it doesn't matter if it's male or female or masculine or feminine. What we really no, want ultimately, to ultimately, it's one. Ultimately, it's one. one. But that's the love. That's the love. Right. We want to expand. But you have to be able to utilize the light too. You have Absolutely. to get the light feminine and the light masculine as well, and lift out of the male, social construct. The light male and the light female, not mm-hmm. masculine, not feminine. This is too deeply embedded in our social constructs. Uh, you know, Alexis, I yes. can talk for a really long time. Yes, we know we, it's a very limited amount of time that we the, have to talk with you today. But uh, it's quite fascinating, and there's a lot more to of interesting, intriguing dialogue of moving through the, the darkness and exploring that and balancing with the light and, and moving the love out into the world. And, and uh, so, But I, we do invite invite everyone to to come and and listen to i we have a a pro we we put on a blog a process uh of of how to program or how to create this how to move through the chaos and create something new and uh and certainly are you're welcome to go and explore that for free wonderful tell us again how to access that Okay, you go to uh, Galexis, G-A-L-E-X-I-S, spirit, S-P-I-R-I-T dot com, and you can go and you can click on blog, and then there there it will be. All right, Galexis, I would like you to give us your very last sentiment, statement, intuition, understanding for everybody who's listening, and then if you would be so kind as to let Ginger come back, so we could just have a little goodbye with Ginger because <laughs> here we are in the dualistic right. universe and time is going to shut that door for us. On oh, all right, yes. Yeah. All right, so, so our parting thought for everyone is please, you know, recognize that you are being of great value and worth and you chose and, uh, as a divine being to come here to this world, to be here at this particular time, to participate in this great change and now here is your chance. And so love yourself, value yourself, step up, and have a fabulous time. 
So what we want to do is surround you, surround you all with our light and with our love. <laughs> Thank you, Galexis. All right. You're welcome. Yes. Farewell. Expand into that. Farewell, Galexis, and let Ginger come back for a moment. I'm Ginger. Hi. Wow, that's so exciting. Oh, well, you and Galexis had quite the chat, didn't you? It's true. <laughs> Wonderful to to deconstruct all sorts of interesting, uh, you know, uh, looks and, and, and definitions. That's always so fascinating. It truly is. You know, I've been friends and uh, acquaintances with a great many channels and psychics, and the one statement and that has always stayed with me, is one channel said to me, you know, Susan, we're all in this barn together, and I get to sit next to the wall, and there's a little crack in the board, and so I can see out what looks to you like nothing. I can see into the next dimension, and I want to tell you about it so that you understand you are never alone. That's for sure. If you just knew how many beautiful beings walk by your side, I mean, we're saying this to everybody. We know you know, but how many beautiful beings walk by your side every day and, and are your team. You've got a team. You know, uh, Galexis uh, did a whole seminar on, you know, connecting with your team, and, and boy, people were just creating all sorts of things out of that. Connecting. Ginger Metro, what a great, great half hour we have spent with you and Galexis. Thank you for helping. Okay, well, thank you, Susan. It's been a pleasure talking with you, and and I'm so happy to have a chance to say hello to all your wonderful audience and all your all your friends and network and community. It's, you're doing such beautiful work, and the, the Earth thanks you. Yes, indeed. We are rereading the healing work of the ancients, and I thank Absolutely. you for the beautiful And of the future, of the future ancients. <laughs> the future agents, you bet. It's a big spiral. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Good night. Thank you. Everybody. Good night, Rebecca. Good night, Justine. Dream blessings. And remember, herbal medicine is people's medicine. It's the medicine right outside your door. Talk to you next week, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Good night. <laughs>